Hello, everybody. Welcome to our seventh episode from Le Portier. For those who are here first, um, congratulations. You found the best hospitality podcast there is on the market by far. <laughs> what we do once a week is quickly summarize the news, um, both from the industry and from uh, anything that is related to a wonderful sector called the service sector. And uh, we do it, obviously, with a bit of emotional touch, both from me and from Miriam. <laughs> and, uh, well, we're trying to have fun with it. So uh, nothing, we don't get too serious here, at least most of the time not. <gasps> Hello, sure. Miriam. Hello, Mish. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, long week, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> the weekend is here and uh, yeah, the weather is great, so... In, in how many in how many countries were you this week? This week, none. This week was a, a more relaxed week. But I am uh, going to Italy Tonight, next week, right? and then yes, and then also going to, to to Germany after that to a few cities. Exciting. I mean, I think also the next week is going to be really exciting because it's the IHIF here in Berlin. So I think many many people from the hospitality industry will be traveling to Berlin, and yeah, let's see. Sounds very exciting for those of us who want to invest in the hospitality. It sounds I mean, I think this is a very interesting part of the hospitality sector. So for me, it's definitely going to be a big week, exciting week. Let's um, next week. Let's make sure that you can update us on on the on the happenings <laughs> in that uh, in that convention. I think it will be pretty interesting for everybody to hear. Yeah, for sure. On all the the things that are going on in the market, I'm more than happy to do so. And I guess. On that note, let's jump into the, in this week's news. Uh, you've added quite a few in the hospitality sector, Miriam. Uh, for me, the first one and the most provocative maybe is uh, pros and cons of a four-day working week for hotels. Yes. Now, um, I looked at it and I thought, um, that sounds great, but who is covering the reception? <laughs> How do you mean? Um, so, okay, I, I read it at the beginning. It was like... So we all know that we currently have this shortage of, of staff in the hospitality industry, right? And if you have ever, which I know you have, uh, worked in the hospitality, we have those eight-hour shifts in quotation marks, but pretty much we always work longer hours anyway. Um, so what they've done, they have just spread the 36 hours over four days, meaning the shifts are longer of people. Um, but they actually spread them just over less days. So actually, if you have longer shifts, usually remember, like we sometimes had split shifts and stuff like that. So by making them longer, um, they are still able to cover all the times. So people work actually 36 hours, and then they have four hours that they need to cover um, for overtime or special things. So the stress of <laughs> of working in hospitality is only spread over four days um and and it has been really yeah has been quite a success based on the feedback of 25 hour hotels um is this where this was tested yes exactly so they have been running it for one year now and on on the link you can actually see what the pros and cons are so what she said after a year of running and trying it out. Um, the positive part for sure is that people, when they are at work, they have more energy and they focused on, they're very focused on work and on, actually they enjoy it more as well. They're focused on the guests and, and they're having a better time because they have three days of rest 
in between. Um, they get much more applications though, because 25 hour hotels have been the only ones actually, or that I've really publicly heard of that they've implemented this HR strategy. So actually they get a lot of applications, which I think is very rare in the hospitality. I mean, the most or the most difficult positions that cannot be filled currently are kitchen staff and um, waiting staff. So actually restaurant. Um, so they get much more of that, which I think is already a great pro for this HR strategy. As as you can see, there are also cons to that. And I think exactly what you said, right? Who Who is covering the reception? If somebody is missing or somebody is sick, it's much harder to cover um, the shifts because they're longer. And if somebody is missing, um, it's not easy to cover them. So that is, is one like one con or something that really speaks against that. Um, and the other one is that this, this let's call it perk or this way of working, is not really a perk because they still work the same amount of hours, is that um, it's not for everyone. So if you're a trainee or a student or something like that, it doesn't work for you. So, you know, students, let's say they work only four days, then they would like to have three days right or trainees for example so they actually have a bit i think it can lead to a little bit of frictions within the teams i had mentioned an interesting solution i suppose um what do you think uh, do you think this is going to spread a bit more across the other, other hotel chains and other hotels mm, i wonder i think you know me. I only work four days a week now, so <laughs> I really enjoy it. Like you, you know, you feel like on Friday you get to do your things, and um, uh, on Sunday and Saturday and Sunday you're actually off. Um, whether it's gonna spread, I think the hospitality industry needs to do something because people were so worked out because it's very intense. It's very physically intense, and it's also mentally intense to work in 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 a, in a restaurant. Um, that I think in, in comparison to the pay, what you get for it, um, creative solutions like the four day week are definitely options um, that I think are gonna spread further. Yes, I, I think yes. How about you? What's your I take? Mean, from, what you've, from what you've said, um, if this is also gonna attract, I mean, obviously this is now an opportunity for hoteliers to differentiate themselves and attract more talent, right? Exactly. Apparently not students because they don't want to work, but uh, everyone else. Um, some, <laughs> it sounds like a, like a, right now, especially right. It might be in, in, the, in ten years, it might be an industry standard. But now you can really get ahead of, of everyone else and get those few people who are doing stuff. And technically, on paper, right, you're still getting more or less the same amount of work out of people. And actually, yeah. you're covering those very annoying shifts where right usually before if you if the restaurant was able to open for 12 hours you technically need to get two shifts right to exactly to get it sorted but this way you can get one shift and yeah. um, as a company you haven't really spent more money but actually made people more happy and more productive yeah and, and this I, is only sorry, yes, sorry go, go for it and this is only backing up right our previous um i think you've mentioned it right the previous source we looked at in a few weeks ago where the UK was actually looking into this and they are planning to mandate this legally for all industries because they saw immediate immediate effectiveness gains and um, 
Oh, wow. Uh, profit margin increases uh, yeah. across the test companies. So Yeah, true. I, I mean, I remember when we still had uh, six-day weeks. I remember me going to school on Saturdays. And we were all so excited that, you know, we're getting like one day more. And now it's already like, oh, one day more. I mean, it's kind of kind of interesting for on, those on who haven't seen miriam go. she's uh, 75 years old and uh, <laughs> she still remembers quite a lot of things i'm not 75 years old i mean I, I, right like i think for example 25 hours they gave all their um staff a choice whether they want it or they don't want it and 80 percent of the staff chose to do the four-day week right so actually it kind of shows that people prefer to like um work longer on a few days and have more days off so um I think it's a pretty good trade-off. Let's see. Uh, the most amazing thing is um, 25 Hour Hotels is part of a, the Accor group, right? Yes, and it's more, so, exactly. So if they're testing it, it might be something that Accor group might be willing to spread across other 56 different brands that they have. And yeah, think, yeah. I mean, to me, this sounds really good. Sounds like a... I mean, we all both millennials. I'm sure people... Uh, from a different age group might be a bit skeptical <laughs> about this, but from the data we saw, this is definitely uh, is, bringing yeah. some positive news for us. Oh, young people don't want to work anymore. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Except they want to work 12 hours a day for yes, four days. Exactly. I thought 12, 12 hours a yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, next news. Um, <laughs> exactly. We've, we've bought new sound effects this week. <laughs> again. Um, You've um you've uh, uncovered a piece of news that uh, I think is a very interesting symptom, I suppose, of uh, if our industry is doing well or not, mm. and that is global distribution systems are actually not really rec haven't really fully recovered yet, mm. and um, this is a pretty interesting thing uh, for me at least. Uh, just a bit of context before we uh, we go into the details. Um, GGS basically is um, there's a few platforms. But most of um, bookings for hotels, either through OTAs or directly, go through a variety of uh, GDSs. There's a few market leaders, depending on the continent, and they are the 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 <laughs> basically the bedrock of uh, any bookings. Right? If you have a hotel, you need to be connected to one of them, and that way you can spread your wonderful inventory across the entire world without really being concerned too much. Same way, you can connect a podcast to a uh, RSS feed and uh, it will just end up in a bunch of podcast providers without you having to go to each individual website and offer your podcast. Yes. So what do you think? I mean, I think one one reason why I put this on, on the news today or last week is because I wanted to talk to you more about GDSs in general. I think um, to me, the GDS is one of these things that are so omnipresent in the hospitality industry But still, I'm very sure that many people <laughs> listening to this do not know exactly what a global distribution system is. Because it's it's something that even if you work in hospitality, if you don't work in distribution, you don't really um, connect to it. Or you don't really know that this piece is is in the middle of, of, of selling rooms. So just now when you were when you were speaking, you said, oh... Um, you have to be connected to the GDS. So one question I have already is, do I connect my rooms to the GDS and the GDS connects to the OTA? Because in my mind, I would just connect to the OTA with a, with a, with a switch, with a channel manager. So I don't really need the GDS in between, no? 
So um, in my world, the GDS is pretty much like a booking.com for for companies and travel agents. In a way, in a way. But uh, actually, um, a lot of the OTA channels use GGSs. So they don't develop their own. They actually use software uh, like or partners like Amadeus um, to actually get those bookings. So they, um, but basically that's the platform they all use then to um, interconnect with each other, right? Because, for example, you buy a flight. I mean, that's the most basic example. And uh, travel or any website, uh, whatever, let's say Kayak, I'm sure that one people know, um, buys a flight that is available currently for, let's say, Berlin, London from EasyJet. And uh, the platform that basically then checks if those flights were still available and, you know, makes them not available anywhere else, in a lot of cases, is uh, software like Amadeus. Mm, so, so only it, for so the cross-selling, pretty much. Or well, well, it's it's actually the the platform the, for most of the bookings, both for flights and for hotels. And now I think they even are using for for car rentals. That even the OTAs used to, uh, yeah, to to promote ah. the to to sell their stuff. Not every OTA, right? I think Booking.com has their own now at this point, right? But mm-hmm. the sheer volume of GGS basically. I mean, yes, as you said, right at its core, is it is travel operators, not online ones, but regular ones. Mm. So anybody can go online. Any travel operator firm can uh, go online, connect to the software, and basically look up inventory at other platforms, right? If you go to TUI or somewhere else, they are definitely using the GDS, correct? But mm-hmm. a lot of OTAs use it as well. Mm, see, very simple like that. That I didn't know, but now when I think about it, of course, they will need to connect. Okay, so... <laughs> If let's say as a hotel, I put just a few of my rooms um, on booking.com, can then they book other rates? Because I put a few on booking and I put a few a few on the GDS. Can then booking.com well, take the rooms over the GDS and sell them? The heck? Well, Sorry. that's actually the issue. That's not the business model of booking.com, but it is the business model of Expedia, for example. They are actually buying and reselling inventory. And uh, the problem is for a lot of... Um, hotels that they actually even a core i remember reading a while back they uh, they had a big issue in trying to understand who is actually selling the inventory because ah. all they get all they get is a booking confirmed this person blah 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 from random channel right but actually it is it's basically a world out there that <laughs> where your rooms are on sale and people are buying them and reselling them like stock often yeah. and uh, well you you've maybe sold let's say a room for top um for a, a well, for a high season period, yeah. um, let's say six months ago, technically to someone, yeah. uh, it is actually in Expedia's hands and Expedia has resold that room for double price. Uh, yes, I yeah. heard something like that, that this was like, oh, because I was like, how can Expedia resell those things? But now I get it because it's over the GDS. <sighs> Basically. I just learned something today. This is amazing. I'm so glad I chose I chose this type of news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but it, to me, it's still very peculiar that they are. Yeah, they're not recovering as quickly. I mean, to, it's, I mean it's almost <clears throat> like the, you know, the employment market, right? It's 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 that level of basic to 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 the hospitality industry that it represents the, a very large chunk of everything that is going on. I and mean, if I, it is not doing well, then. I, 
this is contradictory as well to the previous news, right? Every week we almost have switching news. Last week it was that Expedia and Vietnam <laughs> have recovered and are actually above the you know COVID pre-COVID times. The week before that, hotel business travel was ninety percent of what it was before. So it's it's. Um, Exactly, but so that's that's a point, right? So I was also like, huh, how come it's not doing so well? I mean, they're doing really well. They're recovering very well, but not as fast as just the hotels. So actually, I think the solution or the, the answer is quite simple because um, you have many different businesses over the GDS. Like, as you said, you have car rental, you have flights. A big one is flights. Um, and then you have hotel rooms. So we have mostly been looking at hotel rates and hotel ADRs have been increasing and um, leisure travel has picked up. But business travel hasn't yet picked up that crazy, even though we projected last week, right? There's, people want to go back to conventions, but that is just, that's just coming back because many companies um, had to shut down or postpone their conventions. So that is coming down. Then flights, I mean, um, Asia has just, fully opened after COVID again. So many flights have been shutting down. I know thousands of planes were standing in the desert somewhere and now they're coming back. So actually flights, the whole flight industry hasn't fully recovered um, in that sense because it's it's slower than hotels, right? A hotel, you just open again. Um, also the same with the car rental. Like they had to decrease their inventory um, during COVID or they were selling cars and they were shipping them to other islands, blah, 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 blah that stuff is slower to, to come back because it's a bit more complicated than just reopening a hotel if you have to decrease your inventory. So to me, that's, that's one of the reasons why um, the GDS isn't as fast to recover because it has lots of different, like more industries um, that it sells rates for. Yep. And um, I mean, you've summarized that pretty well, I think. <laughs> Maybe to, to finalize this news for... For, for everybody, uh, GGS actually initially came from airlines. They invented this before the internet in the 60s to be able to control the inventory of uh, flights across the world. And uh, this was actually the software that was used, well, some of the software that was used back in the 60s to make sure that uh, the flights are always fully booked before the internet. Yes, that was the topic about the GDS. I'm, I'm glad we talked about it. I'm sure many people would know even more about it, but I feel like I just, something yeah, and, just connected. Uh, <laughs> and we've, yeah, exactly. We've, I think the, 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 the grand picture of all the different subsectors of the industry is, uh, is, is coming together a little bit. Yeah. Okay. On that, on that case, let's go into the next news. Next news. We have... Um, an interesting set of news, I suppose. Um, Airbnb is on the radar this week. <laughs> surprise, yeah, surprise. I'm so excited about that piece of news. I liked it. <laughs> well, please introduce us then, Miriam. Tell us, what, well, what, is, what is this all about? I mean, I think it's all, it is all quite logical, but I think Airbnb is such a big player in the hospitality market because with the shared economy, they have completely changed the game. We all know that. Um, but... I think, you know, now hotels or like professional <clears throat> companies are on Airbnbs, it's becoming very professional. And I just, yeah, so how do they stay relevant? What, who do they want to target? And we're, we talk so much about Gen Set already, right? Because these are the next people that have uh, money to spend. And based on the analytics that Airbnb did, they clearly showed that 
um, lower priced listings receive the most engagement. So it's, it's very simple what they're doing now. They introduced this new feature called Airbnb Room, where people actually, they're, they're pushing this idea of people just renting out one room in their own home, which to me, it's just so smart because it covers two things very simply. It covers the local authentic experience. It covers, or three actually, it covers meeting new people, right? Um, it's very intimate. If you leave somebody in, let somebody into your home, it's already a very um, personal you experience. Friends very exactly. become friends very quickly. Exactly. Plus, you cater to, or you, you, you increase a demand for lower room rights. So I was just like, I don't know, it's just, it's just really good. Um, I find it very smart. And also, I was a bit shocked in a way that the average rate for a room per night is uh, 67 US dollar. Um, and the average for like an apartment or a single, let's call it room, is 168. So... Um, is this market uh, or is this US? I only? think it's mainly US, to be honest. Um, Probably a bit lower in, in, in Germany. Let's say. I, I think it might be a bit lower, but right, even hostels today have uh, rates up to 50, <laughs> 50, 50 euros almost. So actually, that makes a lot of sense. But I will, I mean, I think the idea is, is really is, is great. And that, that's the first one. And the second one or the other focus that Airbnb figured out is like, we talked so much about the chat GPT, right? How people are like implementing it. Expedia is uh, implementing it as a chat bot thing. And Airbnb has planned it to be one of those because they're the tech um, hospitality company. Um, the biggest one or whatever. But they decided against it. Why? Because people... Um, or the Gen Z values more to have an immersive online experience, meaning lots of videos and lots of pictures, even more than having a chat GPT. So um, I'm really curious about how they're going to do that. If you remember, we, well, two, I think two things are to me interesting. Well, first of all, this is in a nutshell, couch surfing, except for money. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of people have, Negative connotations with couch surfing because you you are indeed staying in this case for free in somebody's home and uh, you might disappear at the end of the stay because you don't know who that is. But it is reliant on on reviews, right? I've done couch surfing myself. Mm, mm. It could be pretty fun, especially if you are in countries where people are more welcoming <laughs> to strangers. Yeah. But um, on the other side, I think uh, if you remember a while back, we looked into um, Airbnb's focus on trying to basically promote not let's say, a category of rooms, but actually promote experiences, promote any kind of um, idea around staying in the place. So, for example, they, they started creating, I think it was a 26 different categories mm. of apartments that they can have, like, you know, tiny homes, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. All mm -hmm. those things that people hear on the internet, maybe, I think it was even a van, van, you know, stay in the van life, let's say, remotely yeah. somewhere. So, I guess that's part of it, right? It's... Uh, they can really turn the 26 categories into 1 million different categories. A person basically goes on the chat and just starts talking to ChatGPT and asks, well, I want to I wanna feel, I want to look at the stars and I want to have the cows walking next to me. And then the ChatGPT will look up and understand the context of that yeah. without having to go into the filter. And 
we've had actually recently, I had a recent conversation with a few people where it would be interesting to have a filter where you, you could uh, find a, a home or Airbnb or whatever, a stay that is in the wild, you know, next to cows or if you like sheep, next to a sheep. <laughs> <laughs> so you can, you know, spend your holidays or spend your weekend somewhere admiring the life of sheep or whatever, from alpacas, let's say. I definitely think something that, that is, is, yeah, on the on the rise for sure. It, it, I think it's it's in the very... Well, yeah. I mean, right, it sounds simple, but uh, not a lot of OTA platforms are doing this, so. Exciting times coming up. So, yeah, I thought that was a very interesting piece of news related to what we usually talk about. Oh, wow, we only have like five minutes left, so let's talk about what's happening in the world. Um, quickly, right? <laughs> so, Mish, which one is your favorite news of what's happening in this week? I think you should just pick it. Well, that makes it complicated. I like all the news <laughs> that happened this week. No, not a lot of stuff has happened, except I think we, we had three different things that um, that people are worried about, and that's what kind of was representative in a lot of the news sources we're looking for. First of all, once again, a discussion for AI and uh, whether AI tools that we're currently growing are going to become sort of open source tools that anybody can use uh, that might actually take down Google and all these big giants? Mm -hmm. Or are they just going to become this scary monopoly once again, right? Some big company is just going to take, uh, develop the best tool, everybody's going to use it, and uh, they are going to basically have full control of that market, which isn't going to be very beneficial uh, for anybody involved on the market, right? Uh -huh. Any sort of monopoly isn't a very good thing. Uh, another part of news is, I think everybody's heard, um, is default, the potential default of U.S. Uh, debt, uh, which yeah. is kind of, I think, uh, resonating everywhere. Um, we've, in our newsletter, have written up a quick summary of all the most important things one ought to know without a lot of the the nuances, basically just the, the core facts of what one should know about it. And can, finally, you, can you say them quickly? Because I'm, I'm curious. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I mean, in a nutshell, right, uh, when people hear the default of United States, they don't, <laughs> maybe most don't even know what that means. Uh, basically, <laughs> I, I know what it means, but I still want to ask. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a hundred, like, I, I think I can grasp the concept, but I, yeah, the underlying source, I know. There, there's quite a lot of things involved. Uh, so, I mean, let's just go fact by fact, really simple. Go um, for it. First of all, uh, United States uh, basically has almost done uh, a default four times in its history. Uh, one time because of a <laughs> basically of an accounting error. So this isn't uh, really uh, something that is you know unique. Let's put it this way: it hasn't fact technically happened yet, but uh, it is almost dead four times. The biggest concern, actually, that the, you know the world has, uh, maybe not the people who live in US, but the world has, is that. Uh, U.S. will be not able to pay down their debt that they have, and they have one of the biggest uh, debts out there uh, because they will default, which is false, actually. They will not be able to issue new debt, but they will still be paying interest rates and uh, or interest on the, on the current debt that they have already issued. Mm. Third fact is, uh, which is often used politically, let's put it this way, that U.S. owns all this money to China and Russia, and actually that's, uh, uh, that's how China controls the United States. False. Uh, most of the debt is actually connected to internal issuing, so banks, private investors, and so on and so forth, or actually even internal uh, sub-ministries. So sometimes the government loans money to uh, its own subdivisions of the government, right? Mm. So uh, technically, it's not 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 in any way connected to 
to you know to foreign countries and for most of the foreign countries actually have been exiting uh, out of the United States debt for since the past decade step by step um, interesting part is um, people are thinking that the United States has this huge debt and therefore they're just going to collapse over the the interest rates false um, most of the Western countries actually have also also have debt right and they actually have higher interest rate or higher servicing costs of the debt they all they have than the United States and uh, if you actually look at United States loaning money to other countries and the the interest rates or the 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 let's say the profits they get out of that you can subtract it and that even that brings down US service co uh, costs of debt even lower so US is actually pretty good and the most important thing is and that is quite quite a unique issue a lot of countries where they issue debt uh, they might internally uh, right uh, have their own currency whatever it is pound or mm. euro even right but then that debt is then issued to someone else in another currency Mm. So they will not be able to, let's say, just say, well, okay, I own you 100 euros, let's mm -hmm. say, uh, but uh, actually you own someone $100. Uh, and basically as a result, you cannot just print 100 euros and give someone them. You have to convert the euros to dollars. That's how it works for most other countries. For mm. US, it doesn't. US owns people money in the currency that they can print themselves. So if it really gets down to it, the United States can actually just say, nope <laughs> oh, <laughs> we just printed okay. one trillion us dollars here you go we've paid your debt thank you very much it's not going to happen right most likely but for other countries that's not the case so um it's really not as bad as one thinks so really the whole issue here is political um i mean we're, sure, I'm sure we're not a very political podcast but from the <laughs> sources we've looked at right uh it's actually a pure, pure down simple issue of democrats not wanting to do to cut costs and Republicans basically putting their foot down like a little kid and saying, no, we need to spend less money. And as a result, <laughs> that is actually the issue that it's like two goats meeting on a, on a small bridge, right? Uh, um. not one wants to let the other one pass through. And so they're going to start fighting and the bridge is going to collapse. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's the... I mean, I well, I, I get your point, right? But uh, I think it's really those two, two points of views are very essential because i think both have <laughs> uh are correct in in their own way it kind of to me sounds like like in a marriage for example <laughs> one person says no we're stopping the economy or like no we're investing in our future uh, <laughs> i think um those two point of views are, are very essential not just uh, in in countries so having those two political um views are essential for for our country's health and and i i find it really interesting um yeah that you're you're bringing up those those facts um right yeah well let's see if if uh, politics is actually going to destroy <laughs> economics <laughs> to that extent it, it it has gotten close to it right already mm. four times precisely because of those reasons um but it hasn't happened yet right because if one side really puts their foot down to to its sort of logical conclusion they are going to be the ones responsible for um, and that's what the article also goes into uh, a few mm -hmm. articles. Um, and uh, if if the United States really does default, um, mm -hmm. the the economic downturn is estimated at in almost instant four percent loss of GDP. Instant. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll see how that goes. Totally. Uh, but uh, it's uh, maybe I think it's the most important thing is to for for our listeners to understand that this might be not as uh, not as scary. Let's put it this way, compared to how it happened before. By the way, this almost happened already in 2012. 
it, it didn't really have any high impact back then. <laughs> so we'll see if, if this if this will do that again. But important thing is as well, right? We we've also this news um, this week. There was also news of um, how to keep your money, right? Because currently the economy is uh, kind of <laughs> at the risk. So uh, we've also found a few interesting sources on which banks uh, or where to invest your money at this moment. Um, our listeners can go into the newsletter and check that out as well. I think those are the top three things that people are worried at the moment. As, as we've discussed maybe last mm. week as well, right? This is mm. kind of repeating itself. AI, the financial crisis, and this week, <laughs> the default of United States. <laughs> well, thank you. That was very interesting. I'm going to go read all your articles. I haven't read them yet. <laughs> Let's be honest about that. Have a great rest of your Sunday reading up on uh, <laughs> what's happening with the U.S. and where to put my money. That sounds great. I'll do that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a relevant piece of news, right? For, I for sure. That wasn't. Good. I wasn't sarcastic this time. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think we can thank our listeners. To, yes, thank for, you. <gasps> for another episode, and um, we'll see you next week. Yes. Uh, hopefully, with a bit of news that is more positive than, than this time around at least in a, in a, in a, the world of economics let's put it this way. <laughs> have an amazing week everyone <laughs> bye 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 <laughs>